Welcome to Out of the Ordinary, the show that helps you grow a daily life that matters. I'm Christy Purifoy. And I'm Lisa Jo Baker. And Christy, we've probably said that tagline hundreds of times over the last years of episodes. And today is the first time that something brand new popped into our minds when we talked about how to grow a daily life that matters. That's right. Every conversation here is a journey for us and for our listeners. And I'm going to be grateful for today's destination, the place where we landed for a long, long while. So get comfy, friends. Here we go. So we have this ritual in our home where every Sunday night, Peter does the calendar is what we call it. And really, it's this giant chalkboard we have in our living room. I've talked about this before, where I had always envisioned there'd be meaningful quotes of scripture that we would write up (laughs) on that board (laughs) to speak into the lives of our offspring. And that is not how it's used. Instead, Peter puts very boring, very ordinary schedules up about who is at what sports practice when, who has car driving lessons, who has play practice, When is someone going to be in from town that we have to pick up at the airport? Or when am I traveling? It is the most ordinary board, but our lives revolve around it, Christy. They really do. And I've thought about that these days as I get older. And so much of life is just admin. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yes. Like it's not romantic. It's just like moving people to different places at the right times. (laughs) And doing that well is a lot of being an adult. And it's strange. And I guess it makes me think again about what we talk about here on this podcast, how to grow an ordinary life that matters. And sometimes maybe you imagine that's a fancy or meaningful quote type board that you're expecting. And really, I think what we show up here is just offering you how to get through (laughs) your overly scheduled life on time and you know that it's okay if you completely blow a day and forget when you were supposed to pick somebody up. I had a (laughs) a meeting I was supposed to be at in work the other day and at the same time I had to take a kid for an early morning lacrosse practice and when he walked off the lacrosse field he said oh we're all going out for Chick-fil-A is that okay and I first was like wow things you could have told me so I didn't come (laughs) to pick you up early And I guess that works, but I had that moment where I was like, I feel like there's something, but maybe I guess I'm okay. So I drive to Chick-fil-A, sit in the parking lot while he and his friends eat, only to get back to my desk and have a message from my boss. Are you joining this call? It's going now. And so the whole time I was in the parking lot, they were on quite an important phone call (sighs) that I missed because Uh, I wasn't at home. I was in front of my calendar. I didn't see the chalkboard. And this is what we're talking about. This is it. This is the glory of ordinary life. (laughs) This morning, as like soon after I got up and I was thinking about recording today, I am doing the thing I'm doing a lot right now um, because of the time of year. I'm just looking out the window and marveling at how different it looks. Like so quickly we've gone, I mean, winter feels like it lingers forever. And then all of a sudden you're looking out the window and remembering what green is and mm. the trees are leafing out and the daffodils are up and the tulips are up and my dogwoods are just starting to bloom. And I was just noticing that and 
glorying in it and rejoicing in it. And then I thought about our tagline too. I thought about, you know, grow a daily life that matters. And okay, I I feel like we're very, we promise big how to grow, you know, here, but here's the podcast to teach you how to grow a daily life that matters. But of course, if you're listening today, dear listener, and you've been here for any amount of time, (laughs) you know that we are not that podcast. We're not the ones that are like putting a heavy list on you or giving you the six tips or tricks to achieve this or that. Like we've always said that we are less about seizing the day and more about (laughs) seeing the day. (laughs) So this morning as I was looking out and just seeing the day and realizing how much everything has just grown, you know, within a matter of days. And I thought about our tagline, how to grow a daily life that matters. And I thought, right, we don't make things grow. I mean, yes, there are certain things we do. And if we want to extend the gardening metaphor, right, we plant some seeds, we pull some weeds, sure. But at the end of the day, we do not make things grow. And so I'm looking out the window and I'm just giving thanks. I'm so grateful for all this growth. And I realized it was just like the only thing we can do is is wait because it's not going to grow until it's time to grow. And of course, that is the most, in some sense, banal <laughs> statement. Like, of course, <laughs> you know, it's the kind of thing that might be on a sentimental um, quote board. <laughs> you know, you can't make any, you can't make a flower grow until it's time for the flower to grow. And yet, hello, this is true. And if it's true out there in the rest of, you know, the created world, why wouldn't it be true in our own lives? Um, it is absolutely true. And so I thought, well, maybe today, Lisa Joe, you and I revisit that tagline, which um, absolutely is what this show is about, but maybe through this angle of just remembering, oh, right, we, if we can't make things grow, um, but we are interested in growing a daily life that matters, that that still, you know, is a goal we have. It's still, well, okay, we don't like the word goal around here, but that's still an aim or a value we have. Well, then what does it look like to just wait? And how do you wait? How do you wait faithfully? How do you wait productively? How do you, I don't know, these are the questions I have this morning. And mostly I have a lot of relief because I feel like what spring is telling me today is, it's going to happen. Just let it unfold. Let it reveal itself, which is good news. I know. I think so much of growing a daily life that matters is actually just receiving the growth that's happening and paying attention to it because that's exactly right. I mean, once again, the tulips that I planted from a bag of bulbs (laughs) I bought off Amazon six years ago (laughs) are blooming in our front yard. Every year, it's a miracle to me. Every year, there are fewer that make it back. Um, But there they are growing. And I, once again, have done nothing. We are just receiving the gifts of our ordinary lives from God, the Maker. And I think a lot of what I'm doing these days in order to actually grow is the thinking part. As much as I make fun of the fact on previous episodes that all Peter and I have to contribute to our neighborhood is our thinking and not (laughs) our doing, really. But it's the thinking that's changing me. So I was having a conversation with Pete yesterday 
about how, especially as you sort of get to the midpoint of your life and you evaluate how far you've come, it's really easy to evaluate by external standards. So whether that's your job or how your kids are doing in the world or the house you live in or the rental house you still live in or the beat up car you're still driving or the size of your 401k, like these are those weird measuring sticks we use, particularly when we get to this age, because the story I can tell myself is like a real grown up should have X by the time they're 40 something. It's a very strange sort of minefield because essentially what you're doing is marking and measuring your life by standards you didn't necessarily set for yourself. Like they're coming at you from outside and social media and those weird ads on TV now that all seem to be our age, like people who are talking <laughs> about their retirements or their colonoscopy or whatever. Peter's right. like, you realize that's us now, right? Like we used to make fun <laughs> of those commercials and now they are our age. Anyway, I have for years worried about this. And because Pete and I lived overseas for many years, we didn't sort of I feel like I always felt like we were behind in the race. Like when the starting gun went off, we were overseas in Ukraine and in South Africa and we weren't saving and planning and in getting a house and the things people do. So we were just kind of late on all of the mile markers for adulthood. We had our kids later. We bought a house when for the first time when we were in our 40s. We are, you'll hear me constantly talk here how our yard is out of hand because we can't keep up with it. Anyway. My point is this, I have been reading this book about tending the soul. I've talked about it on every show for like six weeks now, but what it has done is it has shifted how I measure my growth from an external measuring stick to an internal one. And suddenly it was the most incredibly freeing realization that the hard things that we've worked through the last several years, whether it's in our marriage, the health of people we love very much, our children, all of those are actually markers of real growth and progress closer to God. And really, that's what the journey is. Like we are journeying closer and closer to God until we meet him in person. <laughs> like that's the actual journey we're on. And I don't know if that's helpful for anyone, but man, it's been freeing for me. I just have felt sort of the, the attachment and weight of the external measuring just drop off me in the last several weeks and months really to just say, gosh, those things are so nice. Like, sure they are. Like you, I want to have a house and a yard that's put together. But they're nice, but they're not necessary for growth. And they are certainly not a reflection of accomplishment or moving or progress in this line of becoming an adult. But instead, the time we spent sifting internally, like, understanding what suffering does, redirecting the compass of our souls to align with Christ. Like that is accessible to all of us. Like no matter what our external resources or situation in life might be, the internal restructuring of our souls, the architecture there that God is always building and rebuilding, man, that's the stuff that makes an ordinary life grow. Like that is how you grow what really matters. And I don't know, Christy, it's been really meaningful for me to recognize that, oh, in my internal world feels deeply wealthy, weirdly because of the suffering and struggle of the last several years, because I just see the, I see God, I see God 
pulling me <laughs> against myself often closer to him. And, um, and that's the kind of growth that is the kind I want to keep measuring as opposed to what's happening externally. Right. That is such a good reminder because I, I, I concur. That kind of growth is everything. Personal, <laughs> spiritual transformation and growth is everything. It's why we're here. It's why we are here on this planet, living these lives. It is the whole point is growing um, to be more like, you know, the one who made us. And so it's easy, I realize, even for you and I who who know this and believe this and are always returning to, I think, spiritual truths, at the same time, when we talk about ordinary life, it is just the easiest way to talk about it is through certain externals. So we also talk a lot about everything from carpool to tea time. We do, and what we're eating for dinner, and what we're cooking, and um, gardening, and um, the yard work, etc., right? Because that is the kind of stuff of our ordinary lives. And and we will go on talking about those things because life matters, it, and the matter, the stuff of life also matters. And yet, I can attest as almost someone whose life has had a, a, almost an opposite tra trajectory in the sense that, you know, I feel like Jonathan and I were sort of young and early to everything that, um, uh, you know, in our culture, our, our particular American culture counts as adult life. And I can still remember, I think it was a trip. Um, so Jonathan and I haven't really traveled <laughs> together in since we had children. But before we had children, we took a few really memorable trips. One of them was to Ireland. It was a great trip in like 2001. Um, and I still remember at all the little B&Bs where we stayed, there would be these sweet older couples who would look at us and then come over and say, oh, you're on your honeymoon. And at that point, we had already been married, I don't know, maybe, I don't know, at least four or five years, but we were still so young <laughs> because we'd gotten married so young. And so then we would always shock them by saying, oh no, you know, we've been married four years or um, because we didn't look old enough to be, to have been married that long. And frankly, we weren't. I mean, I look back at those early years and I think, oh my goodness, we were these little babies gallivanting around as if we were adults. But but we were, you know, it's both. Um, and then in a lot of ways, you know, we became parents at a younger age. Um, you know, we left home, moved around, bought condos in Chicago, and then a house in Florida. Like those those external markers that you're describing were things that we tended to, um, I don't know, we followed that map early and at a pretty young age. But that means that I can remember so many times over the course of my life, people saying things as if they were seeing those externals and as if they mattered. You know, maybe they would comment on, oh, you've you've had so much schooling, you got this degree, or John, you have, he's always had a more corporate job. You you're, you know, you're in you're in business, you're a young man in business, or look at you too. And I every time I remember thinking you say that as if it matters. <laughs> you say it as if, no, you say it as if it means something. And it doesn't, and I always had the sense that I don't think it means as much as you think it means. Like to, it, it always sounded to me as if it meant we were somehow successful or we were somehow okay. Whereas the truth is, and I, I'm sure our listeners, wherever they fall on this 
this spectrum would attest to this, like whatever is happening external, whatever accomplishment or not accomplishment, as the case may be, sometimes has very little to do with what is going on inside of you, how you're struggling or wounds that you're, you know, still living with or trouble you're having in your relationships or um, how, you know, learning to be a parent or, you know, or whatever the life situation is, that is when our, our, our soul, our, our mindset, our thought patterns, our, the ways we respond to others, all of that that is coming out of what's, you know, where we are inside, that is everything. And sometimes things that look like success or look like, well, they're okay, they're steady, they're on solid ground. I feel like I can attest to the fact that, no, none of that is solid ground. <laughs> it's just a new avenue for different kinds of stress. And if you're not handling stress well, there you are, you know, you're going to need some help. You're going to need to be, you're going to need to change. Um, and in fact, sometimes I think success or achievement in certain areas can make us feel okay enough that it actually, sh- it actually um, shortchanges our growth. Like we need, a, we need certain pressures or experiences in order to grow because growth is painful. Change can be pain, painful. Transformation isn't always fun. And I don't, and it's not even that we wouldn't choose it. I just don't even know if we would know how to, like where to find it um, if we weren't going through something. And so that is, that's really interesting. Cause on the one hand, I started this conversation thinking about how like growth just happens. We don't make it happen. And yet we're also talking about the kind of growth that really matters. And that is absolutely not bank accounts or retirement accounts or homeownership or having a certain number of kids or seeing our kids do certain things like that. That's almost beside the point. It, it's almost a distraction from this conversation about the growth that really matters. And what's interesting is that internal growth also is something that the circumstances are out of our hands in the same way that growth that happens in the garden, like God is providing rain or sun or fertilizer that's in the soil. Like he's growing. He is the agent acting in the same internally, but much like gardeners can choose to tend a garden or to let it grow Mm -hmm. out of control. We have that similar agency internally as well. And as I've started to become so fascinated with the soul, I was describing it to my daughter the other day, like the soul is the, the, the real who of who you are that will outlive your your current body, like the soul will continue on. And it suddenly has made sense to me why in the Psalms, for example, David constantly talks to his own soul, like, oh, my soul, why are you downcast? Or look up my soul. Like, I guess I had thought maybe that was like a turn of phrase. But the more I study, the more I realize, no, there was a deep understanding that in speaking to his soul, he's actually addressing the part of him that is trying to align with God. The soul of us is is actually the part of us that is designed for eternity. So the reason we long for eternal things, things of significance and value and beauty, is because the soul is meant for eternity. It's headed there. And uh, I was reading recently just such an interesting description that in Scripture, when it's describing someone who is impatient, they will describe them as being short-souled or having a short soul in the way we would say a short fuse. And if they are are patient and have wisdom, they call them long-souled. 
And I thought, wow, that is so interesting. Like the soul is even used as a, a frame, a measure for those of us who have are able to endure, you know, like endurance. And you get to take that with you. So interestingly enough, no matter what we might do to our yard or our fence to fix it up so our neighbors are not ashamed of us anymore or our driveway, <laughs> like none of that's coming with us. And I don't take that with me when I die. But how I am formed internally, like the, 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 the leaning into humility it takes to talk to our neighbors about our trash yard, <laughs> to, to ask for help from our neighbors, to endure through suffering, the work and discipline it show, it takes to show up in the lives of teenagers. Like those are the things we will actually take with us. And so I've often thought about when Jesus talks about not storing up treasures on earth, but storing up treasures in heaven, I think I I've had sort of a very ethereal understanding of what treasures in heaven means. I think maybe like well-meaning Sunday school teachers talked about, you know, palaces and God will have jewels and gold and like, like literal mm-hmm. like <laughs> pirate's treasure, you know. And I remember thinking like, well, what, what, it was weird to me because it wasn't really appealing. Like, what will I do with those things? Like, I don't know how that helps me. Um But just in the last year, I've started to shift my thinking like, oh, wait, so what I'm learning internally in my soul about God, about how God sees me, about how God wants me to see other people, like my ability to be long-souled, that is treasure that I am taking with me. (laughs) Like That is the kind of storing up that feels like it makes much more sense now to me, this understanding of who I am becoming. And I I think I used to think the clock for becoming who Christ wants me to become would start once I die and I'm in heaven and now God is perfecting me. But in the last several years, what I've come to understand is that that perfection, no, like that clock begins now. Like I don't wait till I get to heaven. And I heard a wonderful interview with Dallas Willard where John Ortberg, who wrote the book Soul Keeping, is interviewing Dallas about the soul and about being a believer. And John says to Dallas, I think often in evangelicalism, there's been this understanding that we want to believe in Jesus and we pray the sinner's prayer so that after we die, we can go to heaven. And, you know, what What have we misunderstood? And Dallas says, yes, no, that's a complete misunderstanding because, in fact, we want to believe in Jesus so that we can go to heaven before we die, like now. Mm, yeah. <laughs> And I just thought, what a succinct way of describing that entire understanding about maybe we're just adding a whole new layer about what it means to grow an ordinary Mm -hmm. life that matters. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I'm glad you went there because I was going to say like part of my own growth in just understanding how to tell the story or how to conceive of it um, has, has come from, you know, where I began, which was, a you know, an evangelical Christianity, where, and let me just say here, I I think for most, for many people who grow up maybe in a faith tradition, when you look back (laughs) and you feel like, wow, I wasn't given the whole story, or I was taught some things that weren't correct, I'm always aware of this tension of that, like, hey, I was a child, so maybe I was not given the whole story or maybe I was young and just didn't hear the whole story, right? right Both are possible. Right. <laughs> I remember, I'll take a little diversion here. We had a um, a wonderful priest at our current church. He's not there any longer. He's moved on. But when we first 
started attending this church, he was just sharing some of his personal, um, you know, salvation story and personal um, religious journey. And he told me how he'd, he'd grown up in the very denomination we were in. He'd grown up in that church. And then he became a teenager and he went off to some sort of Christian youth club with friends. And then it was as, as if he was hearing the gospel for the first time. Mm. And he really took it on as his own. And he told me, he's like, I, I remember thinking, why did no one tell me? Aww. Why did no one tell me? Yeah. And then he says he went back to his the church he'd been raised in. And the whole liturgy, all of the worship was proclaiming this good news. Wow. And he was dumbfounded. He was like, oh, it was here all the time. <laughs> I just didn't. <laughs> For whatever reason, I, I couldn't hear it. You know? right, so then right. he was sharing that in the context of him becoming a priest in that denomination. So here he is. He's lifelong you know, um, in that denomination, but he did have this experience of like going outside of it, feeling like he'd never heard, and then realizing, oh, no, I just maybe wasn't listening. Anyhow, so I share that little diversionary story um, only to remind our listeners that, you know, sometimes we look back at what was missing or what we didn't understand. And sometimes it's because we weren't told. Absolutely. Sometimes it's because it wasn't present in our tradition. And sometimes it's just because we weren't hearing what was there or we were, or certain things were emphasized and not others. So, Anyhow, so when I look back, absolutely what I remember the emphasis being on was just salvation in the sense of like eternal destination. Where will you go when you die? In my understanding of it at the time and how I I feel like it was presented to me, that was the most important thing. And so growing up, you know, as young teenagers sort of clumsily debating theology, I feel like so many of our conversations were about like, are, is it once saved, always saved? Or can you lose your salvation? But it was very much on this sense of like, are we okay or are we not okay? But what we weren't talking about was an ongoing process of becoming like Christ and experiencing heaven on earth, as you put it, and being transformed, even though I can look back and see like that truth was there, that language was there, right. the scriptures were there. Right. But somehow that is not what I was <laughs> focused on. Right. And I can remember not having much of a vision for what it meant to live as a Christian, to live a life. It sort of felt like, well, what what's the point if we're just waiting, you know, for heaven? Um, and it has been good in these past few years as I've continued to to learn and grow and grow up. Um, to, you know, be exposed to like more of the breadth of, of um, the, you know, the global church and Christian traditions, you know, across the ages. And one thing I've appreciated learning from um, the Eastern church, the Orthodox church, um, is this idea of Adam and Eve in the garden after they send being clothed with mortality and that that, rather than being just a curse, was actually a gift, because in this mortal life, in this ordinary life, in this changeable, constantly growing, changing life, every moment of every day, we have the opportunity to, to repent, to turn, to change, to choose a different path, to let ourselves be remade. That is the gift of our mortality, is that... Um, that we aren't static and nothing around us is static. And so in that sense, mortality isn't just a, isn't a punishment. It's an opportunity. And, um, and it's not in that sense, just about eternal destination. <laughs> it's about who am I becoming and who am I cooperating with? Am I co- cooperating with heaven 
Or am I cooperating with the enemy of heaven? Um, that is a choice that that is always there ahead of us. And so it's kind of crazy to realize that we can start out with something that seems pretty simple and straightforward, how to grow a daily life that matters. But um, if we take our faith seriously, then how to grow a daily life that matters is actually about like a cosmic battle between good and evil. And we're caught in the middle of it and we're choosing sides, you know, all the time with our choices, we're choosing sides. And are we siding with heaven? And are we allowing, um, you know, the goodness of heaven to grow in us? Or are we, are we taking steps in another direction? That's profound. And that's a daily life that matters. Right, right, <laughs> right. I know. And I hope you aren't hearing us say that you have to throw out evangelicalism. I mean, that's clearly not what Christy or I are saying. Right. Like that's <laughs> Those are our roots. And I think it's more about just growing, just continuing to grow in our understanding of what does that mean and how it what's the richer, deeper takeaway that is really freeing when it comes to ordinary life. That so much of what the world tells us, these are the markers. Oh, no, you haven't reached them. You are a failure. <laughs> you know, God <laughs> is here saying, no, no, no. No, often the things, I think it's why Jesus talked about blessed are the poor. Like the things that are the hardest are the things that are forming who we are. Like blessed are those that mourn for they should be comforted. Like, those terrible journeys that we've been on the last few years, so many of us coming out of a global pandemic, so much loss, so much suffering, so much pain. Not that Jesus wants to have us carry those heavy burdens, but knowing that those heavy burdens come with being humans living in a broken world, He is redeeming them. He is using them to move and grow us closer to Him so that it's not the externals that we have to worry about living up to. It's just knowing internally we get to receive His gift of closeness that is the weird shadow gift that comes with suffering. So, yeah, I guess, I don't know, this was an interesting multi-layered <laughs> uh, dive, deep dive of our tagline that I think I'll never quite think about it the same when I say it now because I don't know that I've ever gone there yet before. No, no, me neither. I think we. So this is again, it's why we show up week after week to have these conversations because a conversation takes you places where at the end of it, you're like, oh, of course, of course we ended up here. But no, from the beginning, it's not clear. And it wasn't clear to me either that the kind of growth we were talking about um, is very much this kind of deeper internal spiritual soul growth, that kind of transformation. I mean, it does seem obvious to me now, but it, it like mm. you, it wasn't. It right. wasn't. I was, I was still caught up in some of the externals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so friends, we love hearing your take on these conversations when you leave us reviews wherever you listen to podcasts or you send us a message on Instagram. I am at Lisa Jo Baker. And I'm at Christy Purifoy. And thank you for being part of this journey we are on to growing a daily life that matters. <laughs> That's right.